ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel of Project 613 here in Chicago. You know, that intro music just never gets old. I just love it. Shout out to Avram Fried. What an amazing Jewish musician and artist. Love that music. All right, we are in the second edition of the fourth cycle, the fourth year of Monday Motivation. Craziness. All right, so subscribe if you haven't. Like it, of course, and share in all the different platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, we we got them all. All right, so we are super excited here. And the topic tonight is having guests. Be my guest, be my guest. Be my, I can't really do the, the Disney song. My dear colleague, Rabbi Johnny Uzan of J-Hype in Houston, Entertains all of us on our trips with his Disney songs. I cannot do it, but uh, maybe we can get a guest appearance of Rabbi Johnny singing Be My Guest. But boy, oh boy, this last week's Torah portion, Parshas Vayera in Bereshis and Genesis, it opens up with an incredible scene. Okay, are you ready to fasten your seatbelts? We're going to talk. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to talk about Avraham, Abraham. Now, when I say Avraham, that's okay if you haven't heard that. That's the same. That's the Hebrew version of Abraham, okay? So I'm just going to say Avraham because I'm used to saying Avraham. But just know that that's Abraham, okay? And we're going to discuss Avraham's incredible hachnasat orchim, having guests, okay? We're going to discuss that. We're going to contrast it with the story that follows about the destruction of Sodom. Now, Sodom is in English Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah, okay, get wiped out this past week's Torah portion. And that is going to be the next story that's going to contrast with Avram's kindness. Why? What did they do that was so bad that they got wiped out? And then we're going to bring it home to the centrality of what it means to be a giver of chesed in our own lives. All right, so that's where we're headed. You guys ready? Fasten our seatbelts. Here we go. One of the most amazing stories in the entire Torah. Avraham is 99 years old. Okay, so now you're thinking, Rabbi, that's middle age because he lived 175 years. Okay. But no matter how you slice it, 99 years old is old. And at 99 years old, Avraham fulfilled the covenant of having the bris mila, of having circumcision. At 99 years old without anesthesia. Oh my goodness. And here he is, 99 years old. He just finished his circumcision three days before. Now, there's a rabbinic tradition that the third day after a circumcision, after a medical procedure, is the most painful. Okay? And he's sitting in the blazing heat at the entrance of his tent. The Torah tells us, that he's at the entrance of this tent. Why do I need to know that he's at the entrance of the tent, Rabbi? Well, as we said many times before, there are no extra words. If there's a description in the Torah, then it is crucial. And he's just, just looking out. 
and he is waiting. What is he waiting for? So turns out that Avraham is waiting for guests. He's waiting for guests. That's how he rolled. It doesn't matter that it is the hottest day in recorded history. The Torah, the opening verse says that it was Kachom Hayom, the heat intensity of the day. And Rashi says that God made it incredibly hot. Why? To spare Avraham guests. God did, God knew how Avraham rolled. And he knew that Avraham was going to want guests. And God said, I got to spare Avraham. I got to spare him all this difficulty. And therefore, I'm going to make it so hot that there's not going to be anyone out. And Avram is sitting there at the entrance of his tent, like looking out. Who can I host? How can I be proactive? There's got to be someone here. There must be someone here. Now, can you imagine? I don't know about you, uh, but you know where I would be if I were 99 years old, three days after my circumcision? <laughs> In a very hot day in the middle of Israel, you know where I'd be? I'd be moaning in bed, <laughs> begging my wife to help me. Oi, oi, oi is me, help me. But clearly that is not Avraham. He is out there at the entrance of the tent wanting guests. And the Almighty does Avraham the tremendous kindness of coming to visit him. Vayira Elav Hashem, God appeared to Avram himself, and he comes, as Rashi tells us, to visit the sick. So literally, Avraham is having a prophecy, he is having a moment of connection, or several moments of connection, with God. And at that moment, Avraham lifts up his eyes, and he sees three men in the distance. Three men in the distance. Now, just let's keep track of what's happening over here. He's having a convo with the CEO of the universe, with the Almighty. He's having a prophetic moment. And he sees three men in the distance. And he says, uh, Hashem, you know, just God, you know, quick timeout. <laughs> quick timeout. I got, see, I got these visitors that are, that are coming potentially, and I don't want them to pass by. And then it says that Avram ran. He ran to them. He saw them. Vayar, he saw him, Vayaratz, the cross on me. He ran to them and he bowed down to them. And then he says to them, please, please, if I find favor in your eyes, don't pass by. Take a little water, wash your feet, come rest. I'm going to feed you bread and a little, you know, uh, you know, all the, you know, he, he promises very little. You'll see he's going to deliver a tremendous amount. And then boom. Avram says, Vayimaher, Vayimaher, Maher, in modern Hebrew means quick. Avram's running. He gets his wife, Sarah, baked the bread, and he gets his son, Yishmael, at the time. You got to help. Let's go. Let's slaughter these animals. And he sets the whole house in motion. The chesed machine, the kindness machine. And they are literally running imagine he's 99 years old, third day after the birth, he's running, he's running to help total strangers that were not even necessarily monotheists at the time. They certainly weren't quote-unquote Jewish in that sense. And Avram is running. This is absolutely beyond belief. This is be up above and beyond what any quote-unquote normal human being would do. And that is is where we come from, ladies and gentlemen. That is Avraham Avinu, Avraham and Sarah. They brought 
God's kindness to the world. And that is who they were, and that is who we are going to strive to be. Now, let's drill down in some of these details over here. So it turns out that these three men are not ordinary men. Ta-da! These three men are actually angels in the guise of men. And each of them had a mission. Michael, Michael, by the way, anyone named Michael out there? You are name of a angel. Michael, Michael, who is like God. And his job was to tell Sarah that she was going to have a baby within a year. And Raphael, he is John, that means to heal. He was going to come to heal Avraham as well as to help save Lot in the next story we're going to see quickly. And then Gavriel, which is Gibor Gvura, strength, he was going to come to overturn Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, so what happens? What happens? So the angels pretend to eat and the food disappears and they... Uh, Avraham escorts them out because they're on their way. So Avraham gets up, he take, he escorts the angels out, and at that moment he hears that God, God through prophecy, is planning on overturning Sodom Amorah, Sodom and Gomorrah, literally destroying them with fiery sulfur and destroying them. And at that moment, Avram does something absolutely incredible. He says, I gotta save these people. It's not right. We gotta maybe there's some righteous people saved. And he at that point turns back from where he escorted the angels and comes back to speak to Hashem. And the verse alludes to this. And with Rashi's commentary, we see that. It would be one thing that Avraham fights for these evil, wicked people of Saddam. But look at what Avraham did. God was standing there. Remember, at the very beginning of the Torah portion, God is at the tent. He comes to visit him. And Avraham peeks his eyes up and he sees these three non-Jewish people coming and he runs. And then he realizes they're angels and he escorts them. And where's God in this whole thing? Where's God? He's back at the edge of the tent. And Avram goes back and the Torah tells us basically that Avram left God on call waiting. Who would leave God on call waiting? It's unbelievable idea. And it's like, God, hold time out. I have some important stuff to do. And this is so unbelievable. Just a side point. It's so important that certain religions are all about the, you know, meditation and an ascetic and connecting with God and removing ourselves from this world. You see that Avraham was just the opposite. He left his meditative blissful state to help other people. He left his blissful meditative state to help other people. And that is what it means to be Jewish. Okay. And so he then has a discussion with the Almighty and back and forth and does his best to save Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, but unfortunately was unable to because there needed to be a minimum amount of righteous people there, which where there were not. And the question is, what was the matter with Sodom? What did they do? What was so bad? I mean, again, this is after the entire world was destroyed in the flood, okay? And um, this, these towns, Sodom and Gomorrah, and actually three other cities were supposed to be destroyed. One of them actually ended up being spared, so are, for another time and another podcast. But basically, what did they do that was so bad? So I want to share with you an incredible Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. Okay, fasten your seatbelts. So the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, chapter 5, Mishnah 13 says, and I'll translate, 
Arba Midos Badam, there are four qualities in a person, four types of people. Haomer Shali Shali, Veshilcha Shilcha, one who says, What's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. So the Mishnah says, Zu Mida Benonis. That's like average. It's average. You know, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. That most people, I think, hold of that. Doesn't sound too bad. So the Mishnah says that's average. Vayeshermain brings another opinion, Zu Mida Sodom. That is the quality of Sodom, of Sodom, which is a shocking statement. What's so what's the big problem? The Sodomites were evil. Why would you say what's mine and mine and yours is yours is evil? We're going to get back to that. The Mishnah continues and it says, Shali Shalach, what's mine is yours, Vishalcha Shali, and what's yours is mine. Uh, Amha Arts, he's a, he's a fool. Okay? So basically, Torah, Pirkei <laughs> Avos, took down communism in one part of one Mishnah. What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. Basically, total communal ownership. Ama Arts, he's an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, he is an idiot. Why? Because it totally goes against the natural grain of things that there's... Okay, anyway. Okay. Shali Shalach, what's mine is yours. Vishalcha Shalach, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is yours. Chasid. That is a pious person. That's someone who goes above and beyond the call of duty. And the final character trait of possibility in terms of the realms of giving is Shalcha Shali. What's yours is mine. Vishali Shali. And what's mine is mine. Rasha. That's a wicked person. That's mafia type of mentality. And there you have it. Okay. And so let's drill down back here. Why does it say what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours is potentially, according to one opinion, the character trait of Sodom. Okay. And so let's take a look at what happened in Sodom. In Sodom, having guests was illegal. In fact, it was so illegal that it incurred the death penalty. If you were found Having guests, you were put to death. In fact, when the angels came to Sodom, Lot had to ferret them in the back way into his house, lest he be seen with guests. It's a death penalty. Now, how do you get that? How do you have a society that gets to the point of what's of 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 death for for having guests? And the answer is like this. If you take the mentality of what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours to the nth degree, you end up in Sodom. Because I can never share what's mine. Why would I give of my hard-earned money to someone who's less fortunate? Why would I give tzedakah? Why would I give of the food on my table to a stranger in need? Because what's mine is mine and what's yours is is yours. And that was the root evil. And you see this contrasted with Avraham, who's sitting at the edge of his tent, waiting for guests to come after his circumcision. And nevertheless, Avraham still tries to stand up and save these people. Again, another demonstration of his kindness. So you see, this is the Midah. This is the character trait of Avram and Sarah. And this is runs through the Jewish people to this day. This is the hallmark. I can't tell you how many young professionals, right? I tell them, you know, uh, you need a job, come network. It's unbelievable how many people want to help and organizations within the Jewish people. It's unbelievable. And 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 let's talk specifically about what we call hachnasat orchim, hachnasas orchim, of having guests. 
I can't tell you, you know, when I was a rabbinic student, I just thought, you know, I'm going to, we're going to go out, we're going to give classes, we're going to wow people with Torah. And, and, and I hope that's also true. But you want to know where you really touch the heart of another Jew? You touch the heart of another Jew when you have them to your home, when you invite them in, when you break bread together, and when it's really good bread, challah, homemade challah, and warm chicken, hot chicken soup, and wonderful food and conversation. And that shows this the character trait of Avraham and Sarah reflecting, reverberating through the generations almost 3,800 years later. And I'd like to share with you a story. And this story I know is true because it happened to me about the power of how much Avram and Sarah drilled down into the spiritual DNA of what it means to have guests. So um, it was my first Shabbos of my first full year of learning Torah in Jerusalem. I was 20 years old at the time. And the first Shabbos, my friend invited me to join his landlord (laughs) because the landlord lived in the building. They owned, I guess, another apartment and they rented it out. And of course, what is your landlord going to do when your landlord's an Orthodox Jew living in Jerusalem and your new tenant is from America? He's going to invite you and he's going to invite your friend as well. So the two of us were there. Now, this family was from Yemen. They were a Yemenite family. I don't remember them knowing one word of English. Uh, we did, well, maybe a little bit, but we, we our Hebrew was uh, okay. My Hebrew was decent at the time. We had an amazing evening. And I remember this beautiful Yemenite family, the father and the mother, they regaled, they glowed. It was the whole family glowed, this dark skin and, and, and just beautiful, deep, dark eyes and jet black hair. And, and it was just... The, the 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 cool breeze of a late summer evening coming through the top floor of a Jerusalem apartment. It was it was almost it was so enchanting, it was almost mystical. And I remember as the father lifted up his kiddish cup and he said, now they say and we say Hagafen. And many people say that they actually have the real tradition of what the Gimel should sound. It's more of a just sound. And I looked out, and I, knowing just a tad of Jewish history, the Yemenite community started 2,500 years ago after the destruction of the first temple by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylonia. And it could really be that our families have not seen each other in 2,500 years. 2,500 years separated by time, by shore, by distance, by, you know, there's no cell phones, no phone, no communication. And coming back to Jerusalem 2,500 years later, and of course they're going to invite their new tenant for Shabbos. And of course they're going to tell the new tenant to invite his friend. Why? Because we're all the children of Avraham and Sarah. That's what it means to be Jewish. And and Avraham and Sarah drilled this in. This is what it means to be Jewish into our spiritual DNA, into our kishkas, as we say, into our being. Um, And that is what the best 
of being Jewish is all about. And this is why we are so focused on having our young professionals here in our community of West Rogers Park because we want them to be the recipients of this kindness and we want to train them that they are going to be the purveyors of this kindness when they establish their own homes. And so I leave you on this Monday motivation with a challenge, with a challenge of who are you going to give to? Who are you going to invite? And even if you cannot yet invite others to your home for Shabbos or for anything else, are you going to allow yourself to be invited? Because sometimes when we accept an invitation, we are allowing chesed, kindness, to happen. May we all do kindness. May we all accept kindness. And that way we will continue the great spiritual legacy of Avram and Sarah. And we can all be my guest. Have a great day. God bless. Have a great week. And we'll see you right back here next week for another edition of Monday Motivation.